welcome to Talking Not Ranting. My name is Alistair Field. And I'm Greg Smith. You've dropped in on our current topic series, The Struggle to Be a Good Manager. And today's episode, Community. Ooh, one of my favorite phrases and uh, beliefs. If you can get community right, oh, it is sweet. I think this is the companion piece to last week when we talked about uh, office politics. Mm. We were pretty direct. Uh, we said a lot in those, I think it was 35, 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. This is the other half to that. I think you can't talk about office politics if you don't talk about community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. It makes, it makes so much sense. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So let's set the stage here. Greg and I have been friends for a long time. We have both been managers for big chunks of our careers. We have both benefited from other people assisting us in our management development. And in every episode, we're going to discuss a situation where we and others have missed the mark. We're going to start at the perspective of the employee and then move on. And we're going to discuss how we have observed others successfully manage these situations, what our experience has been, and we're always going to have a good discussion. Mm-hmm. Great. So community. You have a work environment where you experience some or all of the following. There is no community. It is pleasant enough to work, but nothing special. There was a great feeling of community, and then there were changes at work, and that community feeling is now gone. There is a sense of community, but the boss is now trying to get into the center of it, and it is losing its organic feel. The boss is trying to artificially create a sense of community. Any organic community coming into being is hijacked by the boss. The informal leaders are quiet or have left. There are unrealistic expectations on building community. So Greg, how does this uh, subject affect our relationships and the work environment? Well, it's really interesting. I was going to ask and maybe have a conversation around what what are the aspects or the attributes that you think, when you think of your best definitions of community at work, what were those? What inc- what was included in that? Because I think it'd be helpful for listeners also to have that as I was just thinking through it. Because I think that for me, I have a couple work experiences that truly, uh, I think, fit in this, this description of what community was like. And, uh, uh, you know, one, my wife, Josette, calls it my bubble period. It was at Campbell's Soup. Big surprise. Yeah, big surprise. But it was just a place where you really felt you belonged. Um, You really were able to kind of bring your full self to the job. You knew you could make a mistake and that people would come alongside and help you and learn from it. Uh, We we were tied to something that was important and we were were, uh, like a shared purpose and going forward. Um, and, and it was just like, it was a kind and caring place, but also a driven place towards doing something good. So I, I don't know, for me, those are the attributes when you were describing the community, a sense of community, um, when it's there, it's so powerful and you get up in the morning and you're excited about, uh, arriving. Look, there's my community calling right now. <laughs> um, sorry about that. Yeah, it happens I'm, every once in a while. I'm not going to cut it out. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fun. That's fun. But but that's, you know, when when you have it, Josette calls it my bubble period, and I will tell you, I have had equal 
communities at Porter Airlines and at some of the other places, Marriott, where I worked, I actually all of them had this the same essence. Campbell's Soup was like perfect, I must say, when I was there, but uh, not perfect, but almost perfect. But all of them had this sense and I was drawn to them and I stayed at them and I contributed at my fullest when I experienced that. But I've also experienced when it hasn't been there or some of these things you talked about where they start to dis- de- degrade um, and often it's the leader that gets in the way. Um, and when you do, when you don't feel that connection, it, I think last week we talked about the 59% of Canadians are just doing the minimum. That's what happens when there isn't community. I agree with everything you, that you've said. When there isn't uh, a community, feel you know when you have a good community. It just feels a certain way. It sounds a certain way. There's a couple negative things that uh, can't exist if you have community. One of them is psychological safety mm-hmm. and trust. Mm-hmm. If you don't have psychological safety in your workplace and you don't trust um, either the people you're working with or for, you don't have community. Mm-hmm. You know 100% if you don't have community. Mm-hmm. So I agree with everything you've said. I've had a bunch of different uh, communities that I've been involved in at work and they're all different. Uh, but they have the same feeling. You feel uh, seen, part of the group. There's trust. Uh, you don't feel that uh, you're in danger in any way. I don't mean physically, but I just mean mm-hmm. you know yourself, your position, or whatever. Uh, I, there's a whole probably five or six really really good ones. Some of them are small groups. Some of them are really you know large groups. And uh, uh, as we go through the conversation, I think this will come out more. But I agree with you 100%. You know it if you have it. And if you don't have it, that's too bad. It's really hard to get. And it has to be organic. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what's really interesting, you said something that sometimes the community you have is within the department that you exist. That, I mean, it can be a beautiful community in a really bad place. Absolutely. And I've, I've experienced that as well. Or it can be like uh, the Campbell's environment in particular was a, an organizational beautiful community. But it also, there were unique communities within that, but they had these shared beliefs, these shared commitments to each other, and we'll talk about some of those things. I'm trying to figure out why you left. You keep talking about it all the time. But you know what? I'm thankful because it gives us something to talk about. One of the benefits of you and I just sitting here talking, because we're not experts in anything. We're just talking about our experience and what we've seen. And we're yeah. two old guys and, and all that. But I'm glad because there's certain aspects of my careers that I talk about. And one of yours, for sure, is Campbell's Soup. Yeah. And, you know, things are starting to change at Campbell's when I was there. There was less, it wasn't quite the perfect place that it was. And things were shifting and changing. And, you know, I made a choice. I went to Porter Airlines, which is also a great community. Great airline. Great airline and a great energy and my favorite airline. And I learned I learned lots in all of the places. So you know what? You can't go back and say, "Oh, coulda, woulda, shoulda," um, and you just got to look back and and say, "Okay, what did this uh, give me?" Draw out the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I was I was coaching someone today and yesterday, same thing, and I had the same conversation around that powerful thing that we've talked about is shifting the. That why is this happening to me as this what's in it for me? And that's kind of my reflection back over. You know, I, maybe if, if I would have stayed a couple more years, I might have done some things, but I want to learn so much that I learned in my other parts of my career. So, uh, yeah, it is, it, it, although it was pretty special. But the reality is you can't go back because it's never going to be the same. I agree 100%. 
So let's uh, move forward here. As a manager, what can you do to assist the situation? Is there already a sense of community? If so, embrace it and leave it alone, as long as it isn't negative in nature and isn't impacting the group negatively. Yeah, this is really important, and I would encourage any new leader coming into a department or uh, or an organization, if you're the president or a manager, whatever you are, is to start by listening. You know, and uh, I do a lot of uh, manager integration sessions, and part of that is is actually asking questions. How do we best work? What do you love about the way we do? What what contributes to the success of this department, this organization? You know, uh, when we were at, at Campbell Soup, we we uh, when we first arrived in leadership levels. We went around and had conversations with the people and said, what makes this place unique? And from there, we, we bubbled up six values that were there. And, and then what's important to people? What, what's really driving people that, that, you know, what they want to achieve? And we bubbled up a vision from there. So, and that helped create that community. But it began with asking questions and understanding what, what, what uh, contributes to success and what gets in the way of success and then helping to shape it. But that's really um, uh, listening first um, and then allowing it to grow or tapping into what's already there, to your point. So I was uh, uh, tasked with uh, taking on a really small group. I didn't ask for the job. I knew the people. Uh, they were a small group within a bigger kind of uh, part of the organization so I went there. Uh, it wasn't a job I was looking for. I really had no expertise in what they did. Uh, but it was interesting. A couple of weeks in, uh, they came up and says, listen, we do a, a monthly potluck. I said, oh, okay. Uh, is it okay? Do whatever you do. Uh, just let me know when and uh, what I can contribute. And they went, okay, yeah, we invite a couple other people around that aren't in the team that don't really have a place to go. I go, whatever. I'm good. Mm. And, uh, you know, they, they had different people and the team did different things to make this happen. There's a person, if you open up her drawer, she had plates and, and plastic, you know, knives and forks mm. and chopsticks and all sorts of stuff. And I, I learned really quickly that, you know, this team had a certain community and they would talk about stuff and somebody was getting married and there was a card and it's like, I don't know who made the decisions, what goes on here in terms of this aspect of it, the community looking after each other and, you know, uh, deciding to have a meal together. But I was all the way in, man. It's like, whatever you guys want to do, it sounds good. Mm -hmm. How can I contribute? Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And and really just seeing and becoming a part. And what a great way for you to integrate as a leader onto a new team or even as a team member onto a new team is just being part of it and uh, showing up even if you shop luck, which we've talked about in past. Uh, I would always pick up uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken and everybody would complain, but guess what? It was all gone. So <laughs> they complain, right. but they consume right, as well. That's right. that's right. Well, no one wants to admit eating Kentucky Fried Chicken, but we all do. Absolutely. Uh, am I going to get a phone call from somebody at your office yeah. about this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and do you have an unrealistic idea on what community can be in your group? Quite often, uh, you'll, you'll get like a new manager will come in or a new leader or the team's just you know newly put together or whatever. Sometimes people go in with, I don't know if it, it's an agenda or a checklist or whatever it is, but these things really do have to happen organically. 
Mm-hmm. And it's okay for a leader to come in. Again, those new manager integration sessions often will be included is what, what, what kinds of environments do you love the best? How do you like to lead? What's important to you? And even sharing those, but then asking the questions, what's important to you? That's okay because it's not like you can't influence and contribute because you might be bringing some beautiful experiences that this group has never experienced before. But do it in a dialogue versus, hey, here are the three C's of uh, yeah. how we're going to be leading this in the, in the future and shift or, or die. You know, that's not going to work. I remember uh, we're doing a potluck and a manager from another team went in and went, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, well, we have tons of food. Grab a plate. Mm. He says, when did you organize this? Don't look at me. I don't do this. This is somebody else. This is the team doing it. And the next point I think is going to come along really nicely with what you just said there. When you see the community start to develop, let it happen and come along gently. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as part of a leader, sometimes it is setting back and observing and seeing what are you noticing? Because, you know, really the job of a leader is to create performance, space where people can be successful. And develop. um, And develop. But in the end, it is about a company and or a business about being successful so the best leaders create space where people can become the best they can be to deliver what the organization is trying to deliver uh, so uh, thinking about that and really observing how your community is growing and linking it back to uh, a higher shared purpose of whatever the goals of the organization are is what a leader should be doing. Um, so, so there is that influencing and coming along gently, you know, re- recognizing those things that are driving results because we all want to have impact. You know, we've said in the podcast tons of times how you the best environments are ones that people are known, valued, and find a connection an ability to impact whatever they're trying to do, the greater organizational goals. So as a leader, you can do that. And sometimes it's observing and highlighting really great behaviors that are, are leading to the things that you want to be led to. So, I mean, and, and being honest and upfront with it, but I think there is, you know, it, it, as a leader, you can influence, you can, uh, um, but it, but it's 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 less shoving the idea you know forward and it's more coming alongside and helping people um, see and become part of something. And you mentioned the next point already. Are you trying to be too upfront within the community? You know, coming and saying, "Listen, uh, this is what our community is going to be." You know, tape something up on the wall and let's go. Doesn't always come across well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, versus actually coming and saying, you know what, so let's, let's talk about what our role of our team is and how do we contribute to the success of the organization. That's a really good conversation. But then saying, so what's unique about our team? How do we do that best? When we've really knocked it out of the park collectively, what are we doing? How are we showing up? Let's have a conversation around that. And so... Uh, curating a conversation around community is a great role for a leader to have. Telling people what community is is, and what it isn't is not a great role. And I'm going to put the next two together. Uh, the community isn't about you, and community isn't a checkbox on your career journey. So if you're going to your boss and saying, hey, we had three potlucks uh, this month, and we had two focus sessions on our process, and 
you know, that's not really what it's about. I mean, we all have to report up the chain, but this isn't actually about you. And if you are in that mindset where it's only about you, that's going to be difficult for you. I agree. I agree. And there's lots of books out of there with regards to what does community look like, but you've said it like three or four times already. And I know this is passionate. Uh, you're passionate about this is, is this organic nature because communities are made up of unique people. And each of those unique people have unique experiences and strengths and gifts and that type of thing. So community is this coming together of these these all kinds of individuals with a shared purpose towards something. So that means it, it's every one of them is going to be unique. Um, but you know, again, the role of the leader is to kind of be really observant and understand what's the magic that's happening in front of you and how do you uh, accelerate that magic towards delivering great results. And sometimes that can be pretty complex. Uh, I was assisting with a change. And I think 36 focus group meetings where, mm-hmm. you know, I had to sit on my hands because I want to talk, right? I want to talk about this, but, you know, not always do we need Alistair all day, every day. Sometimes mm. we have to sit there and listen to people uh, as they talk about what they feel uncomfortable with, you know, their questions, really good questions. So uh, as a leader, as somebody that's managed people or supervised people, there's times when, you know, it is about the group and sometimes you have to back out just enough so that there's a space so other people can say things and, and, and express themselves and for the group to sit there and feel comfortable uh, and feel safe uh, because you do want to know what they know and what they're thinking because if the thing that you do uh, is affected by it, it's really important that you have their input mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I agree. I have a kind of a practice. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, probably have, but, uh, I imagine so, but yeah, go right. ahead. All right. Which is, which is especially when you are with people who report to you. Um, this is my practice. My practice is cause I'm an idea guy. I get excited about things as you really, know, really, 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 yes. Greg. Is that true? Shocking. Shocking. It's very shocking. Shocking. Uh, but what I, what I, what I learned to do, and it was later in my career is when I'd have a fantastic instinct and an idea, I would write it down when I'm with my staff. Uh, and then if it bubbled back up and it was like, it's got to come out, I would, <laughs> I would put a check mark beside the idea. And if it came up a third time, I would put a second check mark beside my idea. Um, if it came up again, I would actually say it because that meant something needed to be said earlier on. But most times what would happen is by the time I did the two checklists, either two things would happen. Someone else would come up with the idea. Which is great. Which is great. And or even if they didn't, then I would say at the end, hey, one thing that I didn't hear. And listening to everything you guys have been talking about. Right. I love bu- that part of it. I love that part of it. That is fantastic. I uh, I think I might. I don't know if I do that, but I'm going to add that to it. Um, you put me down as the reference for yeah, that. Yeah, I will. Okay. I will. That's awesome. But but one thing that I didn't hear was this. Does that resonate with anybody else? What do, what do you think? So again, it lays it out. So, but but again, and, and it's it, at the and, end. And you're not shoving it down people's throats. No, you're you're bringing out saying, "Listen, you know, are you guys sensing this, or do you hear this as well?" Yeah, and if everybody around the table says nope, then as a leader, you got to say, "Okay, disregard." Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And are there informal leaders who play an important role in the community? Really important. Uh, in every place that I've worked, there's informal leaders. Mm. Uh, and I think the first real big example of that 
was in the police service, the booker, so the jailer in the in the station. You know, their job is to maintain you know the flow of prisoners in and out, and it's a really crit- critical uh, role. And one of the job descriptions in there is you've got to be able to cook. And these informal leaders, they would decide, oh, we're having a a barbecue tomorrow night, so bring your five dollars. And like, you know, goes and nods at the sergeant saying, oh, okay, whatever. And so we would come in over the course of three or four hours as our lunch came up and we'd be getting, you know, hamburgers and debrazinis and stuff. And this person was part of the, the lifeblood of the platoon. And, and, you know, you didn't mess with them. Number one, they had this incredible job that nobody else wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It's like huge um, responsibilities on it. But, uh, you know, sometimes you look like, who's actually in charge of the platoon? Well, in this area, when it comes to the social aspect of the platoon, when we're all together, mm-hmm. it's the booker. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really embraced that. And, like, I became a supervisor later on, and the booker at the, plat- the first platoon has that same thing. They cook. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, there's certain events, and, and they're the, the center of that. And they don't have any impact on how we did our jobs or mm-hmm. anything. But in terms of our wellness, our togetherness, the team aspect mm. of things played a really important role and you had to respect it and you wanted to. I love that. And you know, the other thing that's bubbling up is, is sometimes those informal leaders are the crunchy people. So, you know what, did you work on my platoon? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and but, but if engaging them in the conversation about what you're trying to create, even if they're not folks that are contributing to the community at the rate, they, if they've been there a long time, they probably know what works and what doesn't work. And they've probably experienced environments that doesn't allow the community to really come to flourishing. That's what I often discover. And so talking to them about and building trust with them and saying, well, what do you think, uh, Alistair? Now you got to make sure if they're not, if they're, if they're, if they're um, someone who is a disturber that isn't going to help the community that you're going to or really is too far gone or, or too far gone for your space and won't fit, then you might have to make a choice. But often what I found, I remember again back at, at uh, Campbell's uh, Soup, there was this woman. Her name was, I don't know if I should say her name, we'll, we'll call her Mary. That wasn't her name. Um, Mary's been in this podcast about three dozen times. Well, she was... Uh, worked in the plant and she was crunchy. She was crunchy and she, but she was crunchy for good reason. Absolutely. Because there were historical, really crunchy things that had happened that had kind of disintegrated the trust. And yet there was still a good core community. But we engaged her mm-hmm. in the change and she retired out of there. And she was like a change maker for that culture. Many years after I had left and after other people had left, she was still someone who was leading and moving forward. But if you met her when I first met her, she was a pain in the butt. She just drove us all nuts. And she was always pushing out the negatives and pointing out the stuff. But she had experienced like 10 years of crunchiness. Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when she saw that actually we did want to listen to her, yeah, and we still held her accountable when she slipped and did stuff that was not appropriate or whatever, uh, but she grew and she became an amazing frontline uh, leader. Uh, and but at the first, you would have never guessed that she would have been there. But those informal leaders, uh, uh, it's not uncommon in a lot of the because I come from the enforcement type of mindset. It's not uncommon to have like these informal leaders and, and, you know, quite often, uh, it, the discipline never made it to the supervisory mm-hmm. or management mm-hmm. level because, you know, Greg, what are you doing? No, 
we don't do that. Come here. Let me talk to you about what we're supposed to do. They just dealt with it. And because there, you know, platoons, there might be 50 people and there's mm-hmm. two or three sergeants and the, the informal team leaders would look after a lot of the stuff and make sure people are doing things safely in the right way that they don't get into trouble, don't get anybody hurt. And you, you begin to realize that you rely on these people. Yeah. And, and when you can, you recognize that. But uh, it's really important to the culture of the place. If you become a very manager-focused um, situation where there are no team leaders, that is a very different type of community and you know, it's, it's sometimes hard that, you know, we all go through different phases in, in places that we work, but if it's a manager centered thing, it, it's really difficult to have good community. I agree. Cause there's so much untapped potential in that area. In every organization that I've been at, there have been what I would describe as frontline staff that were, that were doing roles that were fairly repetitive, mm. um, but that were amazing leaders and because they they did those roles to have a common income, like a regular income, but their bigger, um, more influential lives were outside. So people that owned multiple apartment buildings, people that led um, major hockey foundations yep. outside, people that were doing massive charity work. But if we only looked at them from the perspective of that person on the line, that person in the the, the retail department that we work in. You think their in, world is very small. You think their world is very small. But by building those connections and having those conversations also expands the potential of your community that's already there. Listen, they don't, I don't want to be a manager. Listen, I don't want to be a director. I could because, man, I'm doing this outside. But I can contribute uh, from where I am. And sometimes you need to play a lesser role in any community events. Greg, I don't know how many times I've gone in on whatever our, our thing was and just, you know, sat in a chair in the side and, you know, strike up a conversation with somebody. Like, I don't need to be the one making the announcements for this thing or telling people what to do. This is the, the group's activity. So I just sit back and uh, it's usually food related. So I'm like 100% in. And then what I, what I really tried to do, though, in these types of things is make sure I have a conversation with different people every time I go in there. Because part of this is getting to know each other. And if you're newer in terms of being a manager, you need to get to know people. So I would sit beside different people different times and just have a conversation. And And what I really liked about a lot of these events is if everybody brings one dish, you've got enough food for four times as many people, Yeah. right? Because everybody's bringing these huge slabs of whatever. We would bring in like the articling students who I'm not sure what food that they existed on in the 14, 16 hours they'd work a day, but we'd drag them in. And next thing you know, they're going, leaving with, like leftovers and stuff and and to me the the community wasn't just about us but the people that were kind of in our orbit as well but what I had to learn and what I watched earlier on in my police career especially was when we were doing these things the sergeants and the staff sergeants uh, they would they would uh, just come in and quietly sit down and you know have a conversation with somebody they didn't have to be the center of attention yeah or roll up your sleeves and and get on that get on that barbecue wash the dishes whatever it needs to be done because you build so much great relationships and trust um, covered in soap. It's true. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. And don't push hard on building community. Organic is best. I don't know how many times I've said organic here. Is this like six or seven times? It's a lot. I really like organic. I find that when things are allowed to develop, if, if you create an atmosphere and opportunities for it to happen, it's amazing what you see people bring out of themselves. I agree. I agree. And uh, and uh, 
And it, it grows at different speeds because, you know, if you are simply, you know, um, one of my favorite analogies is the gardening analogy. And first of all, if you work the soil, that's the first thing, even before it starts. And then if you just water and allow some light, uh, you know what? It can sprout up pretty fast, uh, but let it let it grow. That's cool. And remember, quite often, managers come and go. Often, community is a long-term thing. You might just be a blip on their radar. I remember uh, I'd been a sergeant about a year, and I came back to kind of my permanent unit. Uh, wanted to come back home. And so I was on the platoon and was talking to a bunch of... Uh, uh, the constables on the platoon and and I said, yeah, this is pretty good. And they go, you're not going to stay. You're an investigator. You spent most of your time as an investigator. You're in uniform right now. Hey, we're glad you're here, but you'll be gone by next summer. Mm-hmm. And they weren't wrong. So when we think about community, we can't always just think about it within our time kind right. of matrix because quite often these people have been together before you were there and they will be together after you're gone. So it isn't again it isn't about us it's about the time that we get to spend in this community and right. what and how are we going to you know be a good influence on it you know how are we going to create opportunities for people because chances are we'll go great i agree 100% as employees uh, what can we do to assist the situation play a positive role in any community that exists within the workplace a bunch of bumps on logs doesn't create community yeah, and and most of us have experienced that at least at one point, even a part of it. Yes. And we all have the opportunity to make a difference. So, uh, you know, a, a circle of concern, circle of influence, circle of control. We've talked about that Stephen Covey's model before. And what can you do within your control to help create uh, those what we described as community at the beginning of this episode? Uh, you just, just do it. And volunteer and participate in any events. I love it when I walk in and whatever they're doing, people running around doing stuff, I just like kind of back up a little bit and maybe somebody will see me. And I'm, I've hoped that I've created the environment and go, Alistair, could you go get us uh, some cups that are in so-and-so's drawer? It's like, okay, that's mm-hmm. fine. I love it when people volunteer and get, and it becomes their event. It isn't my event. It becomes their event. It becomes the team's event. So I, I, I always encourage people like, you know, step into something. Yeah, the healthiest communities are ones where everybody's involved doing something and to your point it might be behind the scenes or it might be up front but it's a willingness to be a part of it contributing to something together and to your point a couple of minutes ago appreciate any community that exists i agree with you we've probably all had at least one really good situation i didn't work at campbell's soup but i've worked at a couple other places that are probably close hang on to that feeling because that way you'll know what it'll feel like when things turn around mm-hmm. i agree 100 percent And when you see the seeds of a community developing, come alongside. You know what it smells like, what it sounds like, what it feels like. When you see it starting to create, just walk along with it. Well, you know, sometimes uh, uh, individuals who aren't in leadership roles wait for community to happen. And, you know, going back to your multiply timed comment about organic, organic is just being part of something. So don't wait for someone to create something that you want, initiate it, come alongside, look for those seeds, um, water, you know, kind of contribute to it. There's ways in which you can do it, which goes to the next one. One of the best ways to, to really contribute to community is by bringing a positive attitude to things. Um, you know, being that positive person, even, and if it isn't your thing, you know, we all have different personalities, right? So some of us are just naturally optimistic and some of us are just more skeptical. 
And so it doesn't mean we don't want your skepticism because skepticism can be good. It can help us see what are things, but combine that with positivity, combine that with uh, uh, seeing the possibilities, the things that are good in this community and helping bring forward. And to your point on this one, and I'll just finish this one, but is uh, if you can't, at least bring and contribute to the potluck, right? So, <laughs> uh, and I, we used to laugh all the time. You describe it, you know, like if you can't cook, then shop luck. Go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and buy that bucket of chicken. Everybody will want a piece of the chicken. You know, Greg, after I got out of the cars and ended up being an investigator and then just continuing on in kind of that line of things, I don't like coffee. I've never been able to drink it. I just never developed a taste. And I like tea, but I like tea at home. But what I had to learn, a few people were going, we're going for coffee. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I go there and then I figured out, okay, what kind of tea can I have that doesn't, you know, I don't have everything I need here. I don't have my brown Betty teapot. I don't have all that stuff. And I went, you know what? This isn't actually about the coffee. This is about us all walking downstairs, chatting on the way there, chatting on the way back and, and, and all that stuff. So I learned, uh, uh, to appreciate tea out of a commercial establishment. And, and now I'm hooked on a certain type of tea, which is perfect. Oh, I was going to say, is that where you started drinking uh, Diet Coke? Because when we go to breakfast, uh, we arrive at the griddle and, uh, and Sunset Grill, and they arrive with my coffee and Alistair's Diet Coke. It's another way that I uh, have uh, tried to fit into the community, my friend. Yes, is, is stuff like that's that. what I thought. And that came out of uh, playing on a, a couple of work hockey teams and People would have a beer afterwards, and I don't. I don't drink. Yeah, and so uh, I would contribute my five dollars into the fund, and after about you know three or four weeks, the informal leader goes, uh, "You don't drink beer?" I said, "No." So what, what do you drink? I go Diet Coke. So every at the uh, you know after every game, somebody would show up with a Diet Coke for me. Nice. And, and, and you know you just be, you sometimes you have to do things. Yeah. Uh, at least symbolically, because you want to fit in. You want to be part of this community, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so. I learned to drink tea at work and having occasional Diet Coke, and that's just the way it works for me. That's awesome. And if there is a discussion with the boss about community, be direct and kind with any assessment or suggestions. I don't think I recommend everybody, anybody jump out the volunteer to have this conversation, but if the situation comes up and you have an opportunity to talk into something, then maybe roll the dice and do that. I agree. And we've talked about the three unarguable statements. Well, I can end again with that one. I think I've said the last three sessions. Uh, but about 57 times. Yeah, yeah, that's it's good. Right. It's a favorite. It is. It is. But again, if you've got an idea, the three unarguable statements to remind folks, if you haven't heard this before, are I'm thinking, I'm sensing, I'm feeling. So in this case, it would be, hey, boss, I'm, uh, I'm sensing that we could really use more connection. And one of the thoughts I had was to have a pot like, what do you think? Uh, or, or I'm worried that we're losing our connectivity as a team. Mm. Um, are you sensing any of that? Um, and if so, what, what can we do about it? That's a lovely way of entering. And those are really safe uh, ways to present, but still get your idea across in a respectful uh, and hopefully uh, um, uh, you know, an energizing way. Yeah, it's difficult because some people are in a situation where they don't feel psychologically safe or they right. they don't trust. Um, and, and so, you know, these, it's sometimes difficult. That's why uh, I'm kind of going into uh, closing comments. Um, I've been involved in so many situations where the community is good. And I've been in a few situations where it is non non-existent. And, uh, you know, you kind of yearn for that. You, you know when you don't have it. And, uh, you know, 
to your Campbell's soup story, I have a bunch of situations where, you know what? It was just really good. And it was good with the bosses as well. They, mm-hmm. they appreciated it as well. It wasn't just me and my colleagues. It was the people that we reported to. So I love this topic. I thought last week's topic was good. And as soon as we were done, I went, there's got to be a companion mm-hmm. episode to that because we were pretty direct. It was, you know, it's kind of negative, right? Mm-hmm. But community is a very positive thing. And uh, my kind of closing comments for this, I'm sorry, usually you usually go first, but uh, I've been there. I've enjoyed it. I've been part of it. And I'm so thankful for the people that I reported to, especially early on in my life and those informal leaders that, uh, as well that, uh, you know, kind of modeled how these things, how these things should work. Yeah. Well, you know, in our last, last episode, we, we shared the Gallup data that said 21% of Canadians are engaged at work. That is super low. In the U S it's 34%, which is the lowest rating since they've been doing the Gallup studies. One way to enhance engagement and performance is to create a sense of community. Uh, and and uh, so, you know, this is not just a good thing that we've all experienced. Necessary. It's necessary. And, and if you want to be successful, you better be putting the focus on this and discovering what is there, what's working, what isn't. And what, do then, pe- what do people want? What do people expect? Right. And then help shepherd it towards um, bringing it fully to life. It's just a, it's a no-brainer. And yet um, many organizations don't focus on it. I've seen a few people poorly execute that as well, though, because mm-hmm. they, it becomes very central to them versus the, the wider group and what's good for right. the group, right? Agreed. It's something I believe needs to be handled with some tact. It has to be subtle. And uh, you know, we, we need to be uh, sensitive to what's going on in the situation and appreciate the situation. Sometimes that means that maybe you have one of those stark conversations, mm-hmm. say, listen, things aren't good and this is the reason why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then sit on that for a bit. I just it just makes me nervous when people like use a mathematical equation to try to fix this thing. Oh, I read a book. I got this book. You know, I read it on the plane yeah, on the way yeah, here. Yeah. We're good to go. I got the I got the solution yeah, to it. Yeah. And that that's what makes me nervous in this thing is is yes, I'm using the word organic again. But you know, getting some you know going to some seminar and getting a book and I've I've got it. We're gonna have community in like three days. Yeah, that's what makes me nervous I in agree. this situation. I agree. I do think there are frameworks to help you along the journey. But it's like this beautiful balance. Yes. Between there's got to be a little knowledge bit knowledge and acknowledgement. Yeah, got to be a little bit of a framework to help you. What are the important things? There's lots of studies that have shown these are the things you need to do and help to create community. And then you got to hold them with with lightly with yes, the gloves because yes. the reality is that it's a compilation of all kinds of different people, different experiences at different times and different, different emotions. Different right. Emotions. So so it's not it's art and science. And you just got to think of them both. <laughs> you know, somebody once asked me uh, investigations. I said, what's, what's an investigation? Is it methodology? Listen, doing investigations is 50% methodology and 50% art. Mm. It's, it's no different for management and, and supervising people and leading people. It's exactly the same way. And either both sides can't be overrepresented in whatever you're doing. Great, 100%. Okay, I wrapped up. Did you wrap up? I wrapped up as well, yeah. Okay, do you have anything else? I don't have anything else. Okay. We hope that some of what we have spoken about you find helpful. We hope we didn't say anything that made you angry or um, you found offensive. 
This is definitely one of those ones, Greg, where we need your philosophy. As we did last week, we were talking about a pretty serious topic and our experiences are probably unique. Mm-hmm. We didn't all work at Campbell Soup <laughs> and we didn't all work in a police service or, or in a, an enforcement agency. So I, I'm going to admit that you know, my experience is very narrow into certain types of organizations, but uh, I think we need your uh, philosophies for sure today. Yeah, we end each of our podcasts with a great insight from my first coach. And she said that when we came together and we had our coaching sessions, she said there are things that we're going to talk about that are going to make you crunchy. They're going to maybe make you even a little peeved off. And there are things that we're going to talk about that are going to get, make you feel pretty joyful and have good energy. And uh, both of those feelings are simply opportunities for reflection and growth. So we always hope that in our podcast that there are some things that we maybe got you a little churny. Uh, and also maybe things that got you feeling really good because you're doing something you, you know, we, that we talked about. But in both circumstances, there's great opportunities for growth. So we hope that whatever you're feeling, reflect. And uh, think about what, what, how can I apply this? What can I do differently? Uh, how can I move forward? That's what we're hoping for. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, shout out? Sure. We haven't recognized this place in a very long time, and they're kind of our home crew. They always support us. It's like one of the biggest uh, towns or cities that support us. So I'm going to just call out Oakville again. Oakville. Oakville. You know, Oakville isn't that big of a place, but I tell you, they're 100% behind us. So, uh, Thanks for joining us, Oakville. We really, really appreciate it. A hometown cheer. Thanks, hometown Oakville. Hometown cheer. Uh, anything else, my friend? No, I don't. That was a great conversation. You know, community is really important to me, as is this is a community, just our community that we're with here on Talking Not Ranting. This is a community as well, a, a chance to share and learn from each other, and uh, we're, we're just grateful to be a part of it. And uh, if you ever need to reach out to us, talkingnotranting at gmail.com, drop us a line, and we'll be uh, more than happy to have a chat Remember, people matter. Take the time with the people you work with. They're an important part of your job, your success, or your failure. Talk to you next time. Take care.